Well, this is the final week of our series we're doing called Peace With, and today is Peace With God. And how can we have peace with God? In the passage we're going to look at in the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul gives very specific ways we can do that. And it's something called justification by faith. It's simply by trusting and having faith in God's Son, Jesus Christ, that we are then made right with God, or we are justified to, to God. And so in that justification by faith can lead to peace with God, and we're going we're gonna to hear about that. I'm not a big fan of showing definitions of words at the start of a sermon, because I think that's kind of cheap, but in this regard, I wanted to do it so that we had kind of clear the terms of what we're talking about, because this is a theological term called justification. And this is what justification means. The action of declaring or making righteous in the sight of God. So God is the one who makes us righteous in his sight, and he has done that through his son, Jesus Christ. And by trusting in him, we are justified or made right in his sight and therefore can have peace with God. You think about it this way. Those of us that are parents or your grandparents, you know, and you have little kids, um, they come to you and they say, Hey, Dad, watch this, right? Or, Mom, look at me, you know, and look at me do this. And, they, and they, you know, it sounds like this, Dad, 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 until you look, right? And then you look, and you're like, oh, that's wonderful. If, if my face was stapled to the carpet, I couldn't be more surprised than I am right now. It's, it's great, you know, you, you mean it. It's great. You, and they want to bring to you what they're excited about, and you look at it, and you appreciate it. In some ways, too, we can come to God, our Father in heaven, with, with our, our own righteousness, if you will, our own justification, our own pedigree or our, our achievements. And we, we bring it to God, and we, we're almost we're saying to God, God, do you love me now? You're almost atoning for your own sin, that you're justifying by your own deeds to God. And God is just saying, I, I don't want that. I just want you, right? I that doesn't make you right with me based on what you do or, or haven't done. It's simply because God just wants you. He wants to know you and be known by you. So this is why justification by faith is so important because some, many times human beings, we want to justify ourselves before God based on what we've done and who we are or what we've accomplished in life. And none of that really matters. As we'll see that it's simply the grace of God that gives us peace with God. So justification by faith, what is it, why do we need it, and how do we receive it? What, why, and how? Well, the first is what. What is justification by faith? Roman, in Romans chapter 3, the Apostle Paul lays it out for us in these words, starting in verse 23. For everyone has sinned, and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. So there's, there's, the, there's the issue with the human race, is we all have fallen short. We know that there's a mark we should meet, a mark of righteousness, that, that we try to achieve and we cannot based on sin in the world. So everyone has sinned and we fall short of that standard. standard. Sin is like a mountain between human beings and God and only God can remo- remove that from us. So th- what does God do about this problem? Well, God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. There's the idea of justification, that God does this for you and for me. How does he do it? He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. And Paul just lays it out here. People are made right with God when they believe in that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. 
This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness. For he himself is fair and just. I'm gonna emphasize this last sentence. And he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. That he makes you right in his sight simply by believing in his son, Jesus Christ. So justification by faith is far more than just forgiveness of sin. As important as that is, but it's not just becoming a good person. Justification, okay, forgiveness is essentially a negative. It's a reaction to a negative, right? It's God saying, okay, I erased your penalty. I don't even remember your sin. I've separated you from as far as the east is from the west. And that is true. God does not remember your sin. He has erased it from you. God loves you that much. But justification is, is even more than that. It's God saying, yes, I forgive you. Now, you, I welcome you in. I welcome you in into intimacy with me. It's a bestowal of, of honor and rights upon you. It's just even more grace than just forgiveness. It's incredible. John Wesley would teach about this in what he called the house of salvation, that you could imagine a, a home, and the porch of the home is what we call uh, prevenient grace. It's the grace of God that loves you when you, you didn't even know that God loves you. It's God helping you be aware of his presence when you didn't even know what you didn't know, right? It's the love of God that's pursuing you, that pursued you, that is, and it's not like God turns off one mode of grace and the other. It's all grace, but it's that grace that pursues us in our ignorance and welcomes you onto the porch and says, have a seat. I, wanna, I, just, wanna, I just want you to welcome you, right? And then the justifying grace of God is what you imagine as the doorframe of that home. And it's purely by stepping through that doorframe by faith in the Son of God for your sin that you are then justified in the eyes of God. So this metaphor is pretty good. So you st- just by stepping into the home by faith, an action of your own, yet you are then justified. Because, not because of what you've done, but because Jesus has done for you. Then the sanctifying grace of God is the homes, is the room in the home where you, you do, you grow in holiness. You, you, you know, you're, you're living out that life of Christ. So this righteousness of God being justified in God's sight is available purely because of what Jesus has done on the cross for us. This is how we have peace with God. It's nothing that we have done, but it's purely what he has done for you. In 2 Corinthians 5, Paul goes on to say, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin. Jesus wasn't just a good guy. He was a sinless the, the only sinless person who has ever lived, the Son of God. He's the only one that could be a perfect offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. So that is a st- very quick overview of what justification by faith is. Now here's what justification by faith isn't. If you've grown up in church, I went to Methodist churches as a kid, I went to Baptist churches as a kid, and you know, I, we get saved every week. I mean, you come up and pray at the altar every single week. I was getting saved all over the place, you know. That's not necessarily justification by faith because secular people or religious people, we can think that justification by faith is work, work, work. It's based on what I do. I've earned God's favor somehow. And that's an easy trap for people to fall into. It's sort of like saying, look, God, aren't you proud of me now? Didn't I do enough? Don't you love me more now? And God's love for you never changed. It's purely by, not, it's by his merit that we are justified. 
See, that idea of, of trying to constantly um, atone for our own sin, presenting our own righteousness before God, it's, it's really driven by insecurity, isn't it? It's driven by a sense of, I'm not enough, and I know I'm not enough, so I need to do something to help with that. I'm going to surrender more. I'm going to clean up my heart. I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to get saved every Sunday. I'm, I'm going I'm to make myself righteous. Or the, the higher church idea, I'm, I'm going to get baptized. I'm going to take the sacraments. I'm going to go to confirmation. And all those things are good, and they're important. But it's the cart ahead of the horse when it comes to the gospel. Those things do not save us, right? It is purely by faith in the Son of God for your sin that we are made right in God's sight. As, as Paul said in Romans 3, None of us are righteous. We all fall short of God's standard. It's only by his grace that we're saved. So you could be thinking, well, this sounds a bit too good to be true. That sounds too simple. It's like, there has to be more to it than that. But Jesus says no. It's as simple as a child can understand this. And many of them do. <laughs> more than adults do sometimes. That, that sometimes we, we overlook this idea of justification by faith and think it's something that I have to do in order for God to love me more. And so the simplicity of the gospel can be so much that people just almost overlook it. That even happened to John Wesley when he was a younger man. He traveled to Georgia, the state of Georgia in the 18th century to uh, evangelize the, the Indians of the, of the continent. And as he's there in Georgia, a Moravian minister was there also named Spangenberg. There's a road near where I live called Spangenberg Road. I mean, you, maybe you've heard of that name. He's sort of famous. Spangenberg realized that Wesley was struggling in his faith, and so Spangenberg pressed a young Wesley and said, do you know Jesus Christ? Wesley's an Anglican priest at this point. Spangenberg is saying to him, do you know Jesus Christ? Wesley says, well, I know that Jesus died for my sins. And Spangenberg says, that's not what I asked you. Do you know Jesus Christ? And, and Wesley stammered, well, I know he died to save me. And Spangenberg said, that's not what I asked you. Do you know Jesus Christ? And Wesley responded, I long to know him. Wesley would then go on to write in his journal, I went to America to convert people while I myself was not converted. He knew he was missing this, in, this vital piece of the gospel that he had been essentially building his own righteousness before God that he was building up his deeds before God and then he realized they were all not good because he was doing it for himself then he realized he could only be saved and justified by um, before God by faith in Christ not of his own righteousness when he was at a gathering in Aldersgate Street in London, and what was being read at this gathering? The Epistle of Romans. And he hears these words, and he realizes, it has nothing to do with me. And isn't that good news? It's not about your own merit or your ability to jump through religious hoops to be made right with God, to have peace with God. It's purely a gift to you. And this transformed his life. And after he had this revelation, that is when the Methodist movement began and all of these good deeds started to happen out of that realization that it's all the work of God. And in other words, he, was think, he realized that if you think your good deeds are good, they are no good. He realized that his deeds could, could become good because he would do them for God and not out of his own righteousness. 
as, as Tim Keller puts it this way, in other words, if you, think, if you think your deeds are good, they're bad. But if you think they're no good but for God, they're good. They start to get good when you realize that your justification acts are for God and not for yourself. And that's a big deal. I mean, but it's, 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 uh, you could never make this up. C.S. Lewis said Christianity must be right because no one could make this up. And it's true. It has to be true because no one could have invented this idea. We, as human beings, would say, well, I'm righteous before God. We have that old platitude that gets, and now it's a platitude at this point that people say, well, I'm basically a good person. That might, and, I, and I know I'm going to be fine. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says we all fall short of that standard. And it's only by the grace of God, of Jesus Christ, in your life, by faith in him, that you're made right with God. Right? That is the gospel. So that's, that is what it is, but why do we need it? We need the justification by faith, as, as I've said, like a young John Wesley, we all can present to God as sort of a false righteousness to atone for our own sin. And it's not enough to make us right in God's sight. We need the Son of God to do it for us. It's sort of like your resume. We can bring to God our resume and say, look at all these things that I've accomplished. And God says, that's not going to make me love you more. I've, all, I've, already, I've already loved you. I, I always will love you. You don't have to do that. You don't have to be insecure in my presence. I read, looked this up this week. The great Renaissance artist Michelangelo had a spiritual rebirth right at the end of his life. I didn't know this. Where you, you, we know him for the statue of David, the Sistine Chapel. Um, but what we didn't know is that Michelangelo lived during the Reformation, the Protestant Reformation of the church. And he was influenced by Reformation ideas, particularly this one of justification of God's grace through, by our faith in Jesus Christ. You don't need the church for that. That was a big deal in the Reformation. <laughs> the Catholic Church was like, no, no, no. You need the church. And he's essentially saying, no, it's, it's purely the grace of God and your reaction to that by faith in Christ that you are saved. Now, Michelangelo would be transformed by this. And he even encapsulates this in what a, a, a sculpture he created that he, he made to go as his gravestone, but he never quite finished it. He started at the age of 72. And you can go, show, go ahead and show, to, show a picture of it. Many people believe that the hooded figure at the top is, and it looks like him, it's a self-portrait of himself, Michelangelo. And he's presenting himself as Nicodemus in John chapter 4, the man who Jesus said to be born again, the, the Pharisee. And he's holding clearly the body of Christ. And then you see Mary and Mary Magdalene on either side. He, he created this sculpture as a sign of saying, well, let me put it this way. This statue is in the Duomo Museum in Florence, Italy. And across from this statue is a poem that Michelangelo wrote right before his death. And he describes coming to the end of his life and seeing that his artwork was actually harmful to his soul because he says, quote, it became his idol and his king. And he was essentially worshiping the ability God gave him. These incredible abilities that God gave him, but he realized that it wasn't enough. That, that I need to be born again. That I need the Son of God to make me righteous. It's not, nothing that I could do. I mean, this is one of the most, probably the most brilliant artists who ever lived. 
And he's saying, I need the Son of God. I need his righteousness, not what I can conjure up to God. So Paul comes along and says, the righteousness of God being justified by faith in God's eyes, it, it, that you are accepted by God when you do that. This idea is so scandalous. It stands apart from every other world religion in the world. I mean, in any other belief system, you don't see this anywhere. Why? Because it's true. Because it's the truth. It's utterly an action of the grace of God toward people. And this is why the gospel is called such good news. So properly understood, though, people are seeking righteousness on their own. We're attempting, everyone is putting their faith in something that justifies their existence, that we can then bring to God and say, God, don't you love me? See, secular people will see this as your work, your, of course, career, same thing, family, uh, you know, all these things that you prop up, all good things, and everyone's trying to find a way to be justified, to be righteous. But what we really have deep down inside of us is a Pharisee. We all can put up these external things before God. You know, the, we, just to be reminded, the Pharisees, they, they tithed quite well. They were wealthy. They prayed in public. Everyone loved them. They were well-esteemed. They had all the religious pedigree that you could possibly imagine. But what, what did Jesus call them? Whitewashed tombs. They were beautiful on the outside, on the inside. They had, their sins had never been atoned for. They relied on their own idea of righteousness to justify their existence. But what does the old hymn say, my hope is built? It puts it so perfectly. My hope is built on what? Then Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. So the Pharisees, they would boast in what? In their own righteousness, in their own ability. So the question of justification by faith, peace with God, it comes down to one question. What do you boast in? What do we lean on? In whom are we trusting for our lives? Free justification, as Paul shows us, destroys those ideas and shows them as foolhardy and essentially worthy of repentance. So not only should we repent of our sins, we should, God will freely forgive us, but deeper still, repent of the false justifications of this idea of a self-righteousness that cannot save. This is what Michelangelo realized he was missing late in his life. What John Wesley realized he was getting wrong. This is what makes you a Christian. This is how you have peace with God, is repenting of any idea of your own righteousness, not to beat yourself up, no, but it's out of a reaction to the love of God in your life. Because everybody's crying out for validation. Everybody's crying out to be recognized, to be loved. I love social media, I'm on it frequently. But a lot of what I see is a lot of deep insecurity. We're, we live in a deeply insecure age, right? I mean, it is, it is driving a lot of behavior. It's a lot of saying, does everyone see this? Does everyone acknowledge it? Am I enough? Am I enough? For those around me, we're struggling with this idea. And the Bible tells us that you don't have to do that. You don't have to conjure up your own ability to be made right before God. God knows that we can't do it. We can't make ourselves righteous. Only he can justify us. Only he can free us from our sin. And so what does he do? He sends his son to bear the penalty 
for us. Because God knows if he didn't do this, it's impossible to have peace in your life. It's impossible. The only way to have peace in your life is to trust in Jesus Christ for your sin. The true Christian knows this. They know where their hope lies. I heard a speaker one time in college when I was involved with the campus ministry, uh, and he came, and he was a local preacher around Asheville, and uh, he, did the, he gave his testimony, and a lot of these testimonies kind of follow, a, well, at least his did, uh, with, you know, I was a young guy, I was a hot shot, I had hundreds of thousands of dollars, I had all these women, um, I had multiple Corvettes. Remember the Corvette in the 80s was a really big deal. It was made of fiberglass, and you would die if you got in a car wreck. <laughs> Seriously. Um, but he was like, I had a mullet, you know, like I was super cool, and... Um, and, and he's, of course, you know, deep down, I knew I was miserable. I, I knew that this wasn't how I needed to be living. And, and he eventually comes to this realization that he was propping up all this stuff in his life to make himself feel like some, somebody, right? Like, now I'm righteous. I got the money, I got the girls, got the Corvettes, mullet. But he would, he would hit bottom, drugs, he was doing cocaine a lot, he said. He would hit bottom, and then he, I remember he said this. He said, I lost an enormous amount of money, but I had never been happier. Money is fine, but it makes a terrible God. Stuff, career, people, all good things, can be good things, terrible gods. They are mute idols that do not speak. And he basically was saying, I was justifying my existence for all of this and then I realized I simply just have to look to Jesus Christ as my righteousness, as my crown, as my king, that he is the one that makes me right with God. So the question is not just have we, do we repent of our sins, we should, to have peace with God, but have we repented of our false sense of righteousness before God? So there's what is it, why do we need it, but then how do we receive it? Therefore, Paul says in Romans 5, we are justified by faith. It's purely by faith. The book of Hebrews would tell us that the righteous live by faith. That faith is not actually empty, but when we exercise faith, it means that we're being led by God, that God is leading you if you're acting in faith. Really, if you're acting in faith, you're always moving in the right direction, even if it doesn't make sense because it means that God is speaking and leading and shaping in your life. So we are justified before God simply by having faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And I'm going to play advocate here. I know some people could hear this and go, okay, preacher, why does having faith in Jesus give me peace? Why? I'll put it this way. If your faith is in something you could potentially lose, you will never have peace. We all have faith in lots of things, like I said, but none of them will give ultimate peace. Politicians, are you serious? Peace with that situation? Money, unreliable. Your health, as we all know, it is temporal. Other people could be here today and gone tomorrow. All pretenders to real righteousness. Again, we need to have faith in Christ to have peace because he's the only one you can trust that you'll never lose. He's the only one that will provide ultimate peace is because he's not going anywhere. He's always been and he always will be. 
All these things will pass away, Jesus says. The earth, even the heavens, he'll remake them one day. But Jesus says, me and my words, they're never going to pass away. So when we put our faith in him, we are justified freely in the sight of God. In an instant, you have free righteousness before God by trusting in his son. And the, the Bible tells us that he will give you peace because you're relying on someone that you'll never lose. Let's pray. We thank you, Lord, that in these moments you give us in life, you give us clarity about what is the most important things of life. Thank you, God, that you forgive us for the ways that we trust in things that can't give us peace. These next few moments, Holy Spirit, I pray that you just stir up within us what we need to let go of. Maybe even to have tears, that's okay. Your word says that if we sow in tears, we'll reap with songs of joy. And I pray for anyone here and now that does not know where their faith lies. I pray, God, that they would simply by faith say, Jesus, I welcome you into my life. I give you my heart. Make me new. Give me peace in my life, Lord. And you know what? God will. The circumstances around your life might not change immediately. That might still be kind of chaotic. You might not even feel anything. But we can trust in the word of God that says that we are justified freely, simply by faith, and that you will give us peace. In your name we pray, amen. During this final song, please come up here and pray if you will. All are welcome to do so.